0: Warning, this program typically features respectful, nuanced, and well-informed commentary, strong language, obscure pop culture references, and spurious allegations.
1: So in the opportunity (laughs) to praise the man who pulled her from her Wasilla obscurity and got her a fucking show on the Nature Channel in which her hillbilly kids stabbed each other and made fucking meth in the basement, and then they got pregnant and named them like track and trip and flip and whatever, all is she's gonna talk about the people around him that were bad? What are you talking about?
2: We we, we know of new methods of attack. The Trojan Heart, the 5th Column. column,
0: column. Greetings, and welcome back to another exciting installment of the 5th Column podcast, Second Time's the Charm. This is uh, episode 113, evening of August 29th, and this is your Almost Weekly Rhetorical Assault on... The this 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 second, second one's not a charm. It's not. No. <laughs> Let me try it again. This is your almost weekly rhetorical assault on the news cycle, the people that make it, and occasionally ourselves. I'm Camille Foster. I do all kinds of things at a place called Freethink. I'm delighted to be with you. I'm, I'm back on my game now. It's, we're fine. We're fine. And I'm joined by Michael C. Moynihan, national correspondent for HBO's Vice News Tonight. Hi. The, the wonderful and sometimes imperious and very curious and sometimes polite. Matt Welt, Shetter, have a large never been magazine. imperious. Mm-hmm.
2: Just have never been imperious.
0: I, I mean, it, by the way, at least you got some adjectives. <laughs> I didn't get jack Some enthusiasm. It's, like, enthusiasm it's assumed
2: like, like Vice, you're yeah. edgy. Exactly. Yeah.
0: exactly. Look at him, he's exactly. edgy. At a minimum, at a minimum, inebriated. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> Anthony Fisher, senior editor at The Week. Gentlemen, Wonderful to be with you and here like he just in the new Anthony studio. Like it's yeah.
2: Delightful. But to he be got it all. right. But. So, I, I mean, this new studio you reference here, when is yeah. Josh Brolin going to walk in and interrogate us? I mean, I this is I like really <laughs> <laughs> Chad, <laughs> Chad, you know, it sounds,
1: it sounds great, but I walked in and Khalid Sheikh Mohammed was in the corner water being <laughs> waterboarded <laughs> with one of these panels here. I hey. uh, can take a picture and post that. Uh, it <laughs> it's big. Yeah, it is big. It's big. It's big. baffles. It's Are very, baffles very
2: big. Yes. It's baffles? What is it? I don't, what is it? I don't baffle? Know. Those are just boards for the yeah. sound. So that's a racist terminology. Term. Oh, okay. yeah. enough of that. We'll get yeah. to that soon
0: enough, I guess. Like, don't monkey this up, Matt. Walsh. Oh, oh now. Going right into it. God, I don't, don't want
1: to talk about that stuff. <laughs>
0: don't monkey this up. <laughs> just. Don't. I can't wait. I've been hoping and praying for opportunities to use that phrase. That very. I mean, this is a phrase with a great deal of utility. Monkey things up. We can, We'll talk about that later. Yeah, it, I,
1: we don't have to. We don't have to. Yeah, but I want to. It's, it's like it's having so a radio up. show on, like, Radio Moscow in 1951, <laughs> and they're like, let's talk about Stalin. I'm like, well, I don't think I want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably a bad idea. We can talk about other stuff, like, like, Borscht and whatever.
0: Well, we could talk, we could talk pants. about plenty of things. We can talk about pants. <laughs> um, it's, it's kind of the end of the summer. We're actually Have sort of. Have new
2: pants. Store.
0: <laughs> we're sort That's
2: of up Kodfa. against
0: it because a lot of us are traveling today, um, yeah. And I know we're dealing with some Where are some you traveling today? you traveling today? I'm going to Morrow. I'm going to Fire Island, but I got to go home and pack. So many jokes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I don't know. Uh, I don't yeah. know anything about it. Yeah, apparently, apparently not.
3: Yeah, 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 I hear it's a pleasant it place very, to go. It is very pleasant. Wife You'll come, come back Changed.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah no you'll come back exactly the same as you were but just you'll talk about things in a different manner huh <laughs> yeah i don't even know what yeah. you're getting at yeah yep. and Jamaica. i imagine most of the people listening don't so know. you're going to fire island for yeah. the weekend uh yeah all through the weekend how did you get a house there uh, some friends who the who are your friends you don't have any friends i've got lots of friends really yeah. are they black I don't see color. I I you do. <laughs> I, I don't. Yeah, you do. Like when you're like I, I the things that you say to me about your neighborhood, I think that you probably do. <laughs> I'd never yeah. mention This is the point if somebody downloaded this sort of randomly on Stitcher <laughs> Or iTunes that we do uh point out that uh that uh, Camille's of a Jamaican uh background, Jamaican so, ancestry. Um, so like my my, my great grandfather from Scotland. Yeah, <laughs> there's no grandfather. Yeah. So my accusations Alonzo, of uh, Alonzo Tullo. <laughs> Alonzo. Tullo. It was a war veteran. Alonzo. Vic yeah. Yeah, 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 Alonzo. So that's yeah. a Scottish name. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> 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 right. This is just, um, we usually bury the shit that gets you in trouble at the end.
0: But tonight we're not drinking. No, it's front loaded at all. Yeah. Speaking of the shit that gets you in trouble, did you guys see? Like not drinking. That, yeah. that the cover of Pusha T's album, I didn't realize oh, that's yeah. Pusha T who's a rapist.
1: Yeah.
0: And his album was produced by Kanye West during that period when Kanye was producing like an album a week. Yeah. The artwork for his album cover was actually a photo of Whitney Houston's in the bathtub. bathroom Yeah yeah no, not in the bathtub. This is her Atlanta bathroom oh, is with that what drug was? paraphernalia strewn all over the place, oh. which is interesting because she didn't die in her home in Atlanta. No, she died in Beverly Hills. Her crack habit was so severe. It was she portable. She traveled <laughs> and found a new pusher man yeah. and got as much crack yeah. as she possibly could wherever she was I'm going. wondering how she found um, crack in
1: LA, though. Oh, that's yeah. a good photo. That <laughs> is a good story, photo.
0: Yeah, the, it's very Where did difficult. That come from? crack is whack, crack is cheap. I don't know, but the story is that Kanye paid... Just under like $100,000 to get a global license to use this photo as yeah. the artwork for Pusha T's The
3: album photo album. credit is Def Jam's recording. Je- yeah. Def Jam well, I mean,
0: recording. Well, I mean, because Kanye paid for it. Sure. I mean, he's on Def Jam. Yeah. Good music, Def Jam. Um, but that's, that's pretty interesting because Bobby Brown, who is Whitney Houston's mm. husband? I don't know if they ever got divorced, but he was the father of her child. Yeah. Um, he is threatened to assault Kanye if he ever comes into contact with him because he thought yeah, that was disrespectful. thought it was wrong.
1: Uh, to, to put the drug thing on the cover yeah
0: yeah yeah but i mean i think I mean, it's just kind of a just say no sort of thing yeah i mean maybe you should have interviewed yeah. a little earlier and push a t he raps a lot about drugs <laughs> and selling sorry. drugs because he was you know? he was formerly a drug pusher
1: he he was in new I edition know. just so you, if anyone push a t I, no no by Brown. yeah and he was uh and they're from my uh well, not, i'm not from roxbury but they're from <laughs> they're from boston is they're that right very, yeah they're from boston i yeah. didn't realize yeah, new yeah, edition yeah. was from boston they're from boston and there was uh oh, maurice Starr. The pedophilic uh, manager who uh, brought them to fame, huh. there and was a I believe, and was new kids, he, on, the kids the block. on the block, yep. also yep. right yep. afterwards. Huh. Weirdly, he did. He was very, very good with young boys. It, hey. We later found out that he was. I think. Did he go to jail? Did he go to jail? Anthony? Wow. Did he go to jail? I uh, think he did. morris It's. I, did. it's it. I,
3: I, I want to check
1: that. Yeah, yeah, check that. I don't know <laughs> why I'm digressing. Well, is fact, it, you know, is well fact, it too soon that. to
2: make a Catholic Church joke, or is that just literally going on right now and go on in perpetuity? Yeah, I don't think we should make any jokes about
0: that. I think we should be careful about that. Why? Um Bobby what Brown was like, pretty man? much the lead singer of, of No Edition. I
1: believe he sang my favorite song, Mr. Telephone Man. Mr. Telephone it was, Man. It was wow. him and Belle DeVoe and Johnny Gill. Yeah, and Ralph Tresvant. Yes. That's right, yeah. Well, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing, by the great. way, because the, the great, you're missing the last bit, is that the amazing thing about that song is that he d- is unaware uh-huh. that she's hanging up on him. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> he calls the phone company and says, there's something wrong with my life. every Every time I dial my baby's number, yeah. I get a click every yeah. time. In this person, the poor person, like the Roxbury company, is like, "Dude, she's fucking hanging up on you." What are you talking about? She's not interested. There's some,
0: there's some desperation there. Yeah, so, that is actually quite uh, yeah. sad and pretty creepy yeah. when you think about it. It's another one. There are other songs like that, like "Turn Off the Lights." <laughs> Like the, where you're like barking instructions at this woman who, yeah, who is the yeah. object of your affection yeah. or at least your desire I think or amorous, amorous desire. Probably, probably I mean, Turn him off! You're I mean, like yelling at her. <laughs> yeah. so oh, the, shut uh, that shit up. Let's take a shower. Shower together. <laughs> wow. You rub my body. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand. So the clear things up about Maurice
3: Starr, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have, have any Maurice Starr <laughs> allegations to share, but Lou Pearlman who rub was his assistant.
1: Lou
0: Pearlman!
3: Lou oh, Pearlman who became the Backstreet Boys and Sync impresario, he went he went to prison oh. sorry. sorry Maurice. what did he go to prison sorry. for though for, uh, for ponzi schemes stuff oh not but, he, but he but there were accusations of of, of stuff, stuff, with, stuff with boys you know? both yeah. things
0: start with p so there's yeah. a very good chance yeah. that he's guilty of but both maurice
1: things. all yeah. is forgiven yeah. uh sorry maurice yeah.
0: i bet he was a total scum <laughs> come on he was the manager of new edition uh but can i say something else though bobby brown is an enormous talent who doesn't yeah. get his due and what? I mean we forget about his many solo successes, like my prerogative and yeah, every little step, which is just a remarkable Houston. song. Well, is that true? Did he? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think so. They were accusations. Did he hit her? They were accusations.
1: Oh, man. The whole front of the and, show and, and, is and they, were, be and they were accusations. Well, look, yeah.
0: um, and there's something else. There is uh both the John McCain who passed away um over the weekend, yeah. and I think we should spend some time talking about that. Also Louis C.K who has apparently made something like a triumphant uh, return to the yeah. comedy stage. They he did got a 15-minute st- set at yeah, the comedy show. So uh, yeah. yeah, so we have a eulogy and a resurrection, so we yeah. can talk about those two things. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't know what else we'll talk about. We'll figure it out as we go along. Can, we gotta can, get, we got to get out yeah, of here. Yeah, we got to get out of here. A fair,
1: can I say something um, uh, at first? I, 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 there was an intermediary that supposed to pass on a message to you about this. Um, I was uh, in front of my office. And, and, you know, periodically people come up and say things and like they, that they listen to the show. And, oh. and, and, you know, it happens here and there. Yeah. I've been on a plane one time. It was very nice. A, a uh, steward, I believe they're called. Mm. <laughs> is that what they're called? A steward? They used to be. Yeah. Everybody's oh, oh, a flight is, attendant okay. is, is generic All right. now. I miss that one. Yeah. I'm calling him yeah. a steward. <laughs> Don't call him mulatto either. Yeah. Like, oh, no, God. No, no. What is this? What is this awfulness? Um, Stop you know, it's monkeying it's things up, Matt a, quick, I'm I'm quitting the show after this soliloquy here. But I was in front of the office. And uh, I was walking inside and there was somebody walking down the street with their headphones on and turned to me and said, hey, you know, I really appreciate the stuff that you do and the stuff that you guys do. And he was listening to the Fifth Column as he was walking by uh, my Whoa. office. He was in uh, South Williamsburg looking at a new apartment in a very nice building. So I suspect he has oh, lots of just money. He's kind of stalking you. Um, great. great. No, I, no he's just, he was just walking down the street. Come on in. Nobody and he was very, very nice. and, and um I was a bit frazzled that day and um, I wanted to say thank you to him because he was, he was, he was lovely and he was listening as we walked by. That rarely happens. The, the, you know, slight fandom, you get. Periodically, but that was that was. That's great. wonderful. I like that. That's beautiful. I thought it was great. I thought
0: I, it was great. Uh, one one quick shout out as well. He did say
1: he didn't like you.
2: Yeah, this
0: happens. Yeah, occasionally, yeah. and yes. I <laughs> presume that it's always a consequence of race. Yes, um, or racial bi- <laughs> racial bias, anyways. Yeah. Um I Wealth did jealous. I did want to shout out um, the the fans from last week. We were having that conversation at the very end of the podcast about. Drugs and addiction and potency oh, yeah. and folks responded. There yes. were torrents of responses. We got some very, thoughtful very thoughtful, responses. very
3: articulate. Wish I some responded. of you
0: were wrong, yeah. um, but it's a it's a funny cir- circumstance where I was listening to the recording afterwards and I realized that I'd been like fairly sloppy um, in going off on this particular story. But I decided to leave it in there precisely as it was recorded um, because I'd already qualified it and suggested to people that they provide some responses. I certainly didn't expect to get the volume or quality of responses that I did or that we did. But I should have suspected it because you people are quite remarkable. The folks who listen to this podcast have very high IQs.
3: Yeah, we get people with medical degrees dropping thousand word emails on us saying, yeah. you know, this is,
0: this, yeah. is, this
2: is what you missed. And this I, is where you were kind Stop writing. neglecting
0: your patients. And I just want to point you. out
2: that previously on this podcast, I have established that nobody who's any good brings up IQs in a non-ironic uh, way. So I'm, I'm, I think we've just... This is your response to me. Yeah. (laughs) Another thing from last uh, week, uh, Emmanuel, as I uh, shared with uh, two of the three of you uh, here, uh, sent me a text just tonight, Emmanuel, for your listeners out there, is my wife, Um, uh, in reference to our last show, she says, uh, OMG, I just saw an ad during Kornacki's Hardball, Steve Kornacki, guest hosting for Hardball, for an alarm (laughs) system. Uh, The ad (laughs) featured a Becky between two black dudes.
1: What? Yeah. She said that? Yeah. Is that? Is, what does that mean? I don't know. What that Let's, can means. she? Can yeah. she We need like photos, video. Online. I read yeah. that as as,
3: as uh, there's an actual Becky reference. Oh, there's a Becky in,
1: reference in a in commercial. It. Yeah, it no, it? no, yeah. she
2: wouldn't just like make a yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, look at that. Well, well, like, there was well, a white girl in a commercial. She is <laughs> French. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's a different level. Yeah. of, you know, it'd be yeah. more about burkas. Exactly. Another thing. Whoops.
1: And yeah, well, speaking of that, I will be. I don't know. Probably, I'll try to call in the next. A couple of weeks, um, if we do a show next week, I don't know. Yeah, we'll have but some interesting we'll have some next stuff next weeks. week. But yeah. I will be um, in, in in Europe. Um, I haven't been. Uh, I haven't been this year actually, and I'll be doing doing some stories in Sweden uh, ahead of the oh, election. Cool. Um, one for the nightly show, and one that is a piece of a larger uh, thing that I'm doing for the weekly show. Which um, I don't usually talk about these things beforehand, but I, I'm excited about this one, uh, which uh, involves going to Sweden and uh, Italy in the next couple of weeks to 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 talk to some. Um, some, uh, some interesting people. <laughs> some weirdos. From all, but, you know, we'll see. I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll see how it unfolds. But it's uh, but I'm excited about that.
2: Uh, we should have a special dispatch at some point to talk about uh, Anunzio <laughs> oh. <laughs> and the uh, centennial, which is coming up. Yes. Of, yes. Uh, of the breakaway anarchistic, uh, yeah. semi-fascist, uh, cocaine huffing uh, republic of uh, in yeah. Italy. Yeah, Mm -hmm.
1: who is apparently related to your wife.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Also known as Candyland. Yeah, yeah. maybe. We
1: don't know. We don't know. Anyway. Well, why don't we get
0: into uh, some of the the controversy and uh, news surrounding the death of one Senator John McCain. Um, We had at the very early part of the weekend, I don't know if the first reports were on Friday or on Saturday, uh, but we got the reports initially that um, Senator McCain had stopped his treatment. Uh, Senator McCain had a long... Uh, public uh, and uh, I imagine pretty arduous and challenging struggle with brain cancer. And he succumbed to it this past weekend. And after he passed, there was an outpouring of both outrage and celebratory oration, Uh, depending on who you happen to pay attention to. John McCain was either a patriot or a warmongering racist monster who is the progenitor of Trumpism. I was hopeful that we'd be able to have a conversation this week because there's a gentleman by the name of Matt Welch who wrote a book about uh, Mr. John McCain and also had a tweet storm or a thread. Maybe we just call them threads now instead of tweet storms um, where he actually talked about Mr. McCain uh, in a way that was very nuanced and thoughtful um, and also way too compassionate
1: well, Way it wasn't too compassionate. It was, so, were you given a hard time for being too compassionate?
2: Oh, just by a libertarian anti-war Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah, that's no, I I, uh, on no, Friday, right? So uh, the news came um, about a half an hour before I was heading to uh, uh, to spend the weekend in a beach in New Jersey, um, uh, and so uh, I didn't go to the beach in New Jersey, and I started, uh, re, you know, preparing. Things that we've been preparing for a long time in advance uh, with John McCain's death. And I knew that the moment that he died or soon thereof, we would publish my long obituary, a video that we made um, that uh, talks very critically about his contribution to American foreign policy and all that kind of stuff. And so it was Friday night uh, and uh, he died on Saturday afternoon, I think. Um, And so I uh, thought, uh, well, I will lay out a bunch of tweets about just like notebook emptying things that are mostly positive. Um, that I wouldn't have any other occasion to say. Um, And many of them are like stupid minor. Um, Like, for instance, and I can already hear uh, Libertarian anti-war Twitter um, flinging uh, a rancid poo at my face for mentioning this, but uh, I've always found it kind of interesting um, and different than um, a lot of existing politicians with whose ideology I'm much more copacetic with, that the circle around him Um, Not everyone, certainly, but uh, generally speaking, has always been totally like decent and fine with me, even though I've written probably more critical words about him than maybe anybody else. Uh, has high,
0: high um, quality critical
2: words. Uh, I would hope I so, but I who knows? So. Uh, I'm sure I would so. say so. It's my um, own expert I, opinion. And
1: I'll also point out that um, recently we had uh, Ben Dominich on the show, who is married to um, uh, Megan McCain. McCain's daughter, uh, yes. Megan McCain. So,
2: and so. I'm, I'm friendly with Ben, and I'm friendly with Megan, I'm friendly with other uh, members of the, that family. And, and uh, yeah, you know, I've exchanged uh, pleasantries with Mark Salter his uh, longtime co-author and stuff. And just that kind of detail, they like, it doesn't matter, but it's, it is a little bit interesting and it does speak to an ethic that McCain had, and he had several, uh, to, to put it uh, mildly, um, but that he had an appreciation for the give and take. Uh, and that's a positive ethic uh, in a way that, um, that other people, uh, you know, who, again, I agree with way more often do not. They have thin skins. It's all about tribal loyalty. Oh, you said that one thing to me that one time or that somebody who once freelanced a piece for the magazine that you worked for said that one thing. So I'm going to scream about it to you on the phone a year later yeah. um, kind of thing. That's not how the, uh, and that, the, the circle around him worked. And so anyways, um, what I found, uh, of great uh, uh, humor from the get-go, or a, a couple of things. One is uh, continuing the long thread of uh, America just can't deal with people dying, famous people dying anymore, is how many people immediately reacted to this by saying, we're just, we're not allowed to say anything. Jack Schaefer it, wrote an actually bad piece. Yeah, I, that's, uh,
1: not, that's rare. Uh, which Jack is Jack totally Star, rare, yeah. rare. Jack yeah. Schaefer
2: is... Uh, yeah. is Arguably, uh, been the best media critic in America over the last 15, 20 years. Um, but he wrote a piece in the headlines like, you know, we're not allowed to criticize John McCain. That's really annoying. It's like bullshit. Look, that's, <laughs> that's
1: the reflex of that, you know, the the thoughts and prayers thing and, um, you know, the criticism of that in the we're not allowed to when you're absolutely allowed to because most of the people in my Twitter feed were saying that they weren't allowed to, um, but they all seem to be doing it. Um, no, it's, it's, it's annoying. And I, the thing that annoys me most about the negative treatment of McCain and death was not that I don't think people should do that. I think that, I think that's totally fine. I've done it a million times, and people should absolutely do that sort of thing. It's the way that people deal with their own negative sort of anti obituaries, and there's a kind of sense that people get this kind of moral. Uh, this I don't even know how to describe it. It's not even a virtue signaling thing because there's no virtue in it, right? But there's a, there's a sense that, like, I am doing something great by pissing all over this person. Mm-hmm. And it is the thing that one must do because it's John McCain. So I feel that I, I find all these people, like, are congratulating themselves for writing something negative about a politician and death, which at this point in time is not... It used to be, of course, that, that the media landscape was limited to people in the media, right? Just very specific people. Like, you can be a Hollywood actor and post an Instagram picture of, you know, John McCain, you know, in the Hanoi Hilton and write a 500 uh, word uh, caption to it and probably get then create a story for the Daily Mail. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, somebody that is on the you know, the cast of Smallville had a, you know, <laughs> sense about the bombing campaign over North Vietnam. But it used to be like, yeah, it used to be surprising when somebody would piss on the dead and they were because there's a limited number of people who are doing that publicly like calmness and everything. Right now, it's so boring. Uh, people think it's like reactionary in a in, a, in a in an interesting way. And it's just boring. I mean, sometimes these pieces either either live or, or die on their merits. And some of them are quite good and some of them are quite bad and lazy. And it's ah, uh, he's a warmonger. And, like, you know, it's like it was a Pat Buchanan call. And I saw, no, actually, I it's it. really funny. I saw it in Swedish because there's a, a far right website in Sweden um, that I was doing some research on. And there was like a, uh, this, it said Bomb Höger on the title in Swedish. It means the bomb right, the bombing right. And it was this real attack on Buchanan. It, it was by Pat Buchanan. And so there's some nuanced stuff out there. And there's a lot of stuff that's just you know, the, the look at me, I'm, I'm criticizing the dead. The, and I'm not supposed to.
2: What, uh, I mean, it, and, and everyone's doing this on Twitter and getting retweeted. How about you're not allowed to say this And not, you know, it's mandatory reverence in the words of, uh, yeah. of our friend, uh, Michael Tracy. It's just like, not like, no, just not. you can speak freely and, yeah, and criticize to. and it's totally fine. Yeah. Like I literally, you know, a uh, couple of people like, oh, it's, it's, it's too soon. I can't believe you treated him with such disrespect. I'm like, he died. It's an obituary. That, that that was hard. And by the way,
1: to that point of like you, you know you can't do it. I mean, it's just it's totally out of. I can't believe that we've come to this point where you can't even criticize. I guarantee you, the next time you see Meghan, uh, John McCain's daughter, who was a very kind of uh, very very sad thing that I saw today. I've heard uh, on the, the casket of. of oh yeah, yeah, it was very very and, very and, upsetting because I've known McCain. It, yeah. I've mm-hmm. known Megan for. Uh, a, a number of years and and I like her. Um and it literally has nothing to do with politics because people outside of the world of politics tend to say like oh but she believes this I'm like no no I'm just as a person she's very been very very nice to me. Um and very good to me in, in a number of ways. Um but I imagine that Megan would come up to you regardless and be like hey Matt how are you? It's nice to see you. Mm-hmm. Um so it's not only that you can't not that you can't say this stuff is that I imagine members of the family would be like yeah well this is this this is the game. This and, is politics. And
2: one of the stupidest parts about it is that uh, one of the uh, uh, people quickest to criticize John McCain always was John McCain. I mean, look at his own uh, Mark Salter in his piece in the Washington Post. It's like, yeah, you know, had had a temper and you do this and you do that and the other. Um, That's kind of the whole point of of uh, of that uh, that school and his sort of uh, tradition in his autobiographies was that he always fell short of this ideal, but believed the ideal was still important. Mm. Right? Um, and you can say, all right, you know, he's doing this in a way that's self-glorification and all, and all that. Okay, that's an argument you can have, but you can't have the argument that he was setting up a system in which you were not supposed to criticize him, because he was criticizing himself. Always! He was yeah. he was admitting that he lied. He was admitting that he put his personal political ambition over the good of the country in several different occasions. Uh, so, but like... The- so who's but, who's enforcing
0: but, this? but the pushback here is not only the notion that I'm not allowed to do this publicly. I think it's also and you alluded to this, Matt, it's the bloviating over the top eulogies that are which is showered much on better to criticize and that's yeah. it's worth criticizing, and it's not unlike Brian Williams is. Suddenly finds himself in a place where he is talking about the Trump administration, and he is now moved from criticizing him for all of his awfulness to being guided by the beauty of yeah. our weapons. The, hand, the,
3: handful our talks, of, the, the, the handful of times, times that Trump has bombed somebody is, sure. are, are the nights when MSNBC has decided he has become president. It's, a, it's war poetry. Uh, the, uh, yeah, night. I mean you Liberty. can't. He's
1: the Robert Graves of Pennsylvania. <laughs> I mean, it's it. it I can't. I mean, the, the the farewell statement, I was sort of interested in. I mean, I imagine... Did you tweet about that, Matt? John, I don't think you? so. Um, but, you know, there are a couple of things in it that I found. I mean, look, it's... I can't imagine... And this doesn't make this. Um, we don't want to set the bar so low at uh, President Trump bar, and it's a sort of straightforward thing. But I, I was reading it and I said, I can't imagine President Trump, you know, his goodbye letter talking about his failings and saying like, you know, I haven't always made the right decision. <laughs> well, like, what, you know, I can't imagine him doing that. I, was, while I he's was alive. I was the best. Yeah, I was, great. I, I was amazing, and I. It's really it's going to suck for everyone. I dead You deserve well, me. Economy is going to collapse. <laughs> what is he going to do this
3: Saturday when the entire like the the funeral is going to go on all day? Bush and Obama are going to eulogize McCain. Trump has already made it clear he's not going to say anything nice. He's not going to like live tweet it, and you know. But I, I guarantee you, like in the middle of the proceedings. He'll say something about the economy and how great it is. And I, how
1: but but po- I think and to, to your uh, point, Camille, of like this over the top stuff, I was like, absolutely. I totally agree. But I think it's especially it's a, it's especially, um, you know, thick right now because John McCain is, exists as this anti this is what the Republican Party used to be. Uh-huh. And everyone's sharing that clip of him saying to the woman, you know, no, 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 he's an honorable man and everything. And then, of course, by the way, there's a great um, slight kind of conspiracy theory from, you you know, people at The Intercept or whoever, Palestinian activists and things who said, uh, um, yeah, I mean, you shouldn't give him credit for that because he's saying, no, he's not an Arab. He's a good man. And it's like no, that's not what he was saying. I mean, right, clearly, Obama he thing, knew yeah. that the intonation in her voice and the suggestion that this was a bad thing. And he's saying no, this is a good person, et cetera. But um, he cut her off also before she was about to go further. Yeah, she was going to go further, and he was yeah. He mm-hmm. intervened and was just like, and there was somebody before a guy before him, or maybe it was a different a different town hall that said something similar, and he he intervened again. And you know, people are really praising this stuff and kind of over praising it. Sure, and it's just because. He was this guy that hated the president, that was the opposite of the president, you know, and, and people tend to forget when he was running in 2008, he was probably a fascist, right? Uh-huh. You know, the same thing with Mitt Romney, the most sort of reactionary president or president candidate we've ever had. They would get Donald Trump and everyone's sort of wistful about Mitt Romney and, and, and John McCain. So, I mean, it is, it, with, with, with Donald Trump on the scene and in the White House, I think that these, you know, flowery eulogies, um, are more than one would imagine. It's otherwise.
2: also, I think, very much so a collective um, mourning, uh, self-mourning and self-pitying of what you might call the establishment or sort of the political sure. class of D.C., because they've lost for the most part. They've seen the norms and the things that they care about and the manners. I mean, I, I found it pretty curious to see, for instance, Jim Newell at Slate, and, and a lot of reporters are just sort of emptying their notebooks about you know little uh, interactions that they had. and. Uh, McCain would just do little things um, that were all about uh, maintaining um, or or having some respect for the habits, uh, democratic habits and manners of Capitol Hill. So he would engage in questions and give and take with reporters when maybe half of the the, uh, the Senate just wouldn't even bother with that. Like he would do little things like that. And so the political class, which looks at Donald Trump as an, an absolute uh, uh, pulverization of everything that they think is normal and good about the functioning of of uh, Washington, D.C., some of which I agree with and some of which I don't. Um, uh, McCain was the guy who believed in that more than anybody. Um, And the thing is, they totally lost and they they are not back. The Republican Party is not about to go in that direction. The mood of the country, more importantly, is not suddenly going to say, you know, John McCain died. I really I really miss establishment manners. In fact, I think that the uh, the kind of discussion of him and, you know, the flag goes up, the flag goes down, all this kind of... Yeah, it's petty, but it's also, I mean, it's the lead story on MSNBC every single hour of, you know, whether uh, Trump is giving uh, John McCain enough respect, whether he mentioned his name when he signed the, you know, defense bill. Uh, He he didn't even say it was the John McCain defense bill. What a mortal monster. It's like, why don't you report how big and stupid the defense bill was? That's not really under discussion. So the sense of manners that everyone is policing, Mm -hmm. um, that's what... is to be criticized because a lot of it is bullshit. And that sense of manners also doesn't have. And here I shout out to my libertarian anti Twitter uh, or anti-war uh, Twitter tormentors. The point that they would try to make if they had any sense of articulateness was is, hey, look, your manners are for shit. You're bombing too many countries and that should be important. And I get that. I just wish that there was a way that they could say that without linking to every stupid crackpot conspiracy theory about John McCain's captivity in Hanoi and a bunch of other stupid. Shit yeah, besides. I mean, that,
1: um, the one thing that I thought was interesting is that in his uh, farewell statement is, you know, the flag goes up, flag, flag goes down. Is there enough fealty? Is there enough um, reverence from President Trump? One would not expect that. Um, he does not like people who get captured. Remember,
2: um, and that was or, or who die or, yeah, in, their, or in exactly. their battle with cancer. Yeah, in just interject, yeah. Wesley Clark, Clark once said the same thing about John McCain. Yeah, if Donald I'm Trump sure, had I'm cancer, sure.
0: Donald Trump would totally kick cancer's ass. Yeah, of course, <laughs> hey, with
2: yeah, a big man yeah, and one wall, and a you know, fish fillet in the other. Yeah, um, no. But the thing is, is that is that <laughs> I,
1: you I like know, people who don't die. <laughs> his his thing, <laughs> Enoch, for president. <laughs> yeah, he attacks him in the statement, so one wouldn't expect that. And he, he does so one thing in a very, very subtle way. I don't, I just read the statement. Mm-hmm. I have been rather busy in the past week. I haven't seen the coverage of it, but there was one thing that stuck out in me. that I was just, I couldn't believe it. I mean, he said it before, but I was surprised that it was in this farewell statement. And he said, you know, how that he believes in the Republic and ideals of X, Y, and Z. And the United States is not, um, uh, is built on this and not on blood and soil yeah. mm-hmm. and that is of course a german reference um people tend to forget that is that it's kind of entered the lexicon in some way we're talking about the alt-right et mm-hmm. but the expression is blut und boden and it's like was on nazi posters you'd have know, a see an eagle clutching a swastika on the top it says blut und boden you know blood and soil chanted by protesters in charlottesville and and yeah and it's like it's a nazi it's also at the
2: beginning of that def leppard song right Was it, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then then a cowbell. Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: With just just one hand, by the way. Um, That was before the accident. uh, He still only has one hand. You don't hit hit a cowbell with two hands. Uh, I wasn't talking about his arm. That's incredibly disgusting that you would make that reference. So sad. Uh, uh, (laughs) But yeah, no, but he's essentially, he's saying that the president, if, I mean, look, it's oblique enough that he's saying, he could be saying in this moment which nationalism has taken over the party, but it's, you know, he's, he's talking about the political moment in his own party and he says blood and soil. Uh, that's a, that's a pretty strong shot on the way mm-hmm.
2: out. Yeah. And it's also in his book, the last book that he uh, co-wrote with Mark Salter, which came out in May called the restless wave. Uh, a lot of it, particularly at the end of the book is this long impassioned attack on, um, Trumpian nationalism. Um, he tries not to uh, refer to him directly, but he talks about blood and soil. He talks about immigration, scapegoating of people and all this kind of stuff. We're all about an ideal. We're not about uh, a race or ethnicity and, and all of this. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, it consumed his uh, thoughts and his writing towards the end. I just want Michael – You to open up your phone While I'm filibustering here And look at your own Twitter feed So that you can read to us Sarah Palin's
1: (laughs) Oh Can I do that? Can I do that? That was the only thing that I That I I got the first two responses to that one was a guy that I work with, um, uh, advice and some, it was another one, another person who said, where's that from? Is that you sure that that's right now? Do you, that's, that's a, pa- yeah, a where was seven. it from actually? Uh, I, it was an interview. You, it was I an interview that she did, um, with the Daily Mail for all of its, its moral failings. The Daily Mail actually, you know, gets on the phone pretty quickly and got, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Sarah Palin. This is what Sarah Palin uh, said, who owes her, whatever her career is. It's not a political career. Her career is a, as, national, a huckster, uh, as a well, huckster, and as a national huckster, as a national political figure, yeah, I believe was like, already, uh, I already, yeah, I believe I called her a grifter on uh, on, on Twitter. Um, I respect his military service. I think it's unfortunate that he had people around him, and they continued to be around him for a very long time who weren't serving him well. They certainly weren't serving the country well with what they were trying to do. I believe he, he was told things about what America really wanted or really needed because he's been in the that DC bubble for so many years. I this is my favorite. Here's the bit. Here's the bit that I highlighted. I don't think inherently he necessarily sorry. <laughs> sorry. Do I got to do I get, a, I get a retake on well, that? Awesome. One. Um I don't think he inherently, he necessarily was really connected. So he did rely on people telling him in polls, telling him, and he went from there. Okay. If, if you have, and you got one of those, uh, those uh, phones that plays the podcast there, you dial that back and see if you can, if you can unlo- <laughs> unpack it. I don't know what the fuck she's talking about. And then the last bit, I, I, I think that's unfortunate uh, because he had some strange people around him and disloyal people. And you know, I don't say that is like hate speech. <laughs> I don't know or griping about it. It's just a fact that they were just not some not nice people. Just so in the opportunity <laughs> to praise the man who pulled her from her Wasilla obscurity and got her a fucking show on the Nature Channel in which her hillbilly kids stabbed each other and made fucking meth in the basement, and then they had got pregnant and named them like Track and Trip and Flip and whatever. All this, is she's gonna talk about the people around him that were bad? What are you talking about? I sound like Jeff Green, what, what are you doing? <laughs> And then, and then that thing, like, I don't say that, is like hate speech. This is a woman who hears <laughs> phrases, like, out there in the political ether, and then she internalizes, and then she just come dribbling out of her mouth. The, literally, she talks about the people, quote-unquote, around him in her eulogy for the, for, for the uh, not President McCain because of her, I think. Um, not because of her, because of Barack Obama. But the, in that, the number of times she says strange people around him, odd people around him, weird people around him— yes, my dear, there were some bad people around him and they fucking chose you. And that's the problem. <laughs> Those are the bad people. They're not like the people Mark Salters and the rest of yeah, it. You can criticize the, Sh- the Schmitz and the Salters and, and, you know, Nicole Wallace's and all these people, Mike
2: Goldfarb. Uh, I love or you, Mike. Can, you can <laughs> Mike. You can criticize Yeah, You can criticize Mike. Um, but this hilarious thing, it was just, that was her first response. And I mean, uh, even on the one thin fact that she's trying to, or argument that she's trying to make there, it's just kind of wrong. There isn't anyone or there hasn't been in the last 15 years. You can argue 20 years ago, McCain was influenced a lot by Bill Kristol and David Brooks and a lot of the uh, kind of uh, uh, weekly standard uh, neoconservative 90s set because it was sort of a new line of thinking for him. Um, But last 15 years. He's been calling the sh- his own shots. He hasn't like suddenly tacked in some new direction, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know. Regardless of whether politics go this way or that way, including uh,
0: defending his uh, his pick of uh, Sarah Palin and his, as his VP.
1: Uh, case, I, not really. A lot of criticism. He said
2: what I mean. What he said. is kind his, of a half. What he said in his book <laughs> is that he preferred Joe Lieberman, and he wished yes. that he had uh, acted on that preference at the time. He would have lost by a that's, lot more. That's I think right, so. That's I true. think he would have lost yeah. by a lot more. Uh, I, I mean, in uh, the. Uh, the Vox political editor had a really uh, inane tweet uh, that Jack Schaefer again held up as like an example of why you know the the pack is coming after. Her. Um, saying like, oh, okay, so we're not supposed to say I'm being told that we're never supposed to say that he picked Sarah Palin and which led to Trump. And it's like, no, no one ever told you that. So I, like, I, this, but I, but but what do you
0: all ahead. make of that argument?
1: That I, I, Sarah think Palin I think it's led insane. I think, I think it is
2: ridiculous. Yeah. And I actually, the first, the
1: first piece I ever did for the show that I work for now and the first piece that ever aired on it was, was, uh, uh, me and Glenn Beck and his, you know, mountain retreat. And I asked him if he, cause he was the other person that was blamed for creating Trump. That's right. Sure. And there's a longer cut of that interview. I think it's online somewhere. And he said, he, he said, no, it wasn't me. And he actually made a fairly coherent argument why it wasn't him. But let's 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 take this in two parts. The first one is that there is a presumption an after the fact presumption that John McCain and the people around him and they are responsible for this. They take all the blame and they should get all the blame. I don't, I'm 100% and four square behind that. But let's be honest in the sense that they did not know what they were getting. They had no sense that it was going to be this. And I'm not sure she did either. I don't think she did either. And I didn't, like, her politics- I mean, she, I remember seeing at the beginning, someone's got to look this up. I remember she had like an, Isra- an Israeli flag in her office, the governor's office in Alaska. She seemed, she was like kind of pretty and she was a woman from Alaska, a hockey mom kind of thing. And I don't think people, they had any sense that Sarah Palin would turn in to what Sarah Palin turned into. So, I mean, they're, they're completely, ultimately responsible for that. But I also don't think that that's, they knew what they were getting. And the second part of that, is that, you know what, here's the thing, if you have somebody that comes into the political discourse saying insane things, saying stupid things, and barely, barely putting a sentence together, and so there is kind of a straight line from her to Donald Trump in that sense, but it's, it's on the American people who fall for this stuff. You know, it should be the case that I would hope that if you put a person like Sarah Palin out in, you know, in in Switzerland or something, I don't suspect that the Swiss people would be like, this is pretty good. I like this. And the American (laughs) people are responsible for this. And they liked Donald Trump for a variety of reasons. And if it wasn't Sarah Palin, it would have been somebody Somebody else. else. Yeah. The idea that it was just this one thing. And, you know, we went back in time and stepped on a bug. And then all of a sudden, (laughs) civilization was different. Come on.
2: Yeah. A, there's a, a good point there in terms of uh, certain figures responding to the incentives of the political marketplace. And I think it's arguable. I mean, her record as a governor is actually pretty interesting. She fought corruption of Republicans and kind of went after the establishment. She considered herself uh, at least somewhat libertarian, uh, independent minded. She was weird and interesting. I remember talking to people at the time that the pick was made who were in Alaska and like and, you know, not Dem- not Republicans, but like, hey, she's more interesting than the caricature. Watch out for her. But she goes, she gives her big speech at the RNC. People are conservatives are wrapped. They yeah. love it because they've always held uh, McCain at arm's length for a variety of reasons. And suddenly they fixate on her. She might well have... Uh, responded to the political marketplace. And just like Dinesh D'Souza has responded yeah. to the political marketplace. A yeah. lot of people have changed behavior. Tucker Carlson has changed yep. behavior because of the reward system in the political marketplace. Trump, it was canny enough, um, uh, perhaps evil enough, depending on how you look at it, to respond to the incentives that laid right there, changed his position on immigration, most notably of all things. Did he? Uh, in twenty twelve, in November twenty twelve, he said the reason Mitt Romney lost was because of the maniacal, in his words, policy of self deportation, which is just so cruel to our Latino friends. But
0: Donald Trump, at least from an economic standpoint, has always been pretty vehement in his resistant well in his Objection to certain sorts of trade policy, trade. Yeah, it's the and, only thing and, he's been. And consistent low on, yeah. income immigration. He was not. Uh, I'm sorry, low skilled. He was very. Immigration. Pr- he was
3: very protectionist and and criticized immigration levels at that point. Yeah. But, but the the the. Self deportation stuff. Sure. That, you know, that, that he the absolutely. Mean spirited stuff. He, that, he,
2: he said, you can't be that mean spirited. You will lose elections. He was 100%, 100% sure. on board with that Republican. And that was in autopsy. November of 2012. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's true. Um, Which is
1: essentially also what he said about uh, the Republican uh, attempt to replace Obamacare, that it was also cruel. I mean, he yeah, he's, he's, he's actually of, said that recently. Yeah, he well. said it recently. Yeah. And you Which, know, the other thing that, that, one final thing on this is that, is it a changing the mind of all these things that Donald a slight digression, that all these things that Donald Trump flipped on, it's the same thing is true. Of his detractors sometimes use language that Donald Trump used about other people. So remember, in the Reform Party, uh, when he was, was sort of competing with uh, uh, Pat Buchanan, he called him a fascist. He uh-huh. called him a Nazi. Sure. He said, "This man is a Nazi. That's He's right. a fascist. He's an anti-Semite. He's bad." And like, and now it's like post Charlottesville, it's like, yeah, like it, I, you know, when I talked to Dinesh D'Souza a couple of weeks ago, and he was like this is what the language the left uses, fascist, so I'm going to deal that right back to them. I'm going to call them Uh fascists because they're the true fascists. And it's like, you know, Donald Trump, like, a while ago, was calling Republicans (laughs) fascists, too, (laughs) just so you know, if you're keeping score at home, but anyway. It's always the most extreme
0: uh, criticisms with him. I'd be remiss if I didn't, Matt, um, commend you for the piece that you have at Reason, which I saw resurface this week, Be Afraid of President McCain, which I do think is, like, a really illuminating piece, as is your book, in underscoring John McCain's political philosophy and the, the notion of sort of national greatness as a potential danger that we should be concerned about if we are people who are at all interested in individual liberty as an essential precept that ought to be defended. These glossy notions of a cause greater than yourself, which if I'm not mistaken, was, um, was it slogan of his, uh, of his
2: presidential campaign? Yeah. Yeah. Um, country first, but like so, he's been saying that phrase, yeah. a cause greater than yourself, I mean, which is a, a normal uh, kind of martial military notion. Certainly it's, is. And it's also a very, it also
0: makes my skin crawl.
2: It's also very uh, normal uh, uh, as it happens. And it's a rabbit hole. We don't want to dive into uh, a thing. Um, uh, he had, uh, he used, and that's what actually got me interested in him as a subject besides being just sort of naturally attracted to him. Cause I'm a journalist, uh, from the 1999 and 2000 run, cause he was going against the evil empire and calling uh Jerry Falwell agents of, uh, uh, intolerance and doing all this fun stuff. Um, uh, but, uh, what reading his books, like I saw all this stuff that reminded me of the big blue book of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm like, what the hell? Is that, mm-hmm. um, and the cause greater is, is, uh, is part of that. Um, look, I was, I had cause to, uh, to reread a chapter today, actually having a, a Twitter, um, uh, direct message conversation with Michael Tracy, it can be told here, um, he was asking about some source material stuff so i looked back at it and that, and uh, you know i wrote that piece for reason 11 12 years ago the book came out uh, 10 years ago plus um, what get the only thing that gets me mad is not that i mean i've had a chance to write about that for a long time but it's really that Um, His ideology was 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 sitting there uh, in plain sight. Um, The biggest source of of my books were his books Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, as much as anything else. Uh, and, And, you know, available journalism. But no one writes about national politics, generally speaking. A looking at the actual ideology of people, especially if those people are perceived to be pragmatists, which hmm. he always has been, he's just gonna, you know, there's a problem. He's gonna do something about that problem, right. and there's the right thing. That's not ideological at all. Are you kidding? Right. That's that's just problem solving. Um, and uh, it, you can understand why that happened more with John McCain than with most people because of, of the uh, amazing facts of his biography, and also because you know an, a whole generation of political journalists saw him uh, accurately. So as kind of this. Uh, character of absolution for their own kind of disaffection with the Vietnam War and their own kind of separation from military virtues. And he was this sort of great conciliatory figure for all of that kind of stuff. But nobody talked about his actual policy, particularly foreign policy, even though he was making some of the most kind of aggressive expansionist ideas of preemptive war in 1999. It just wasn't covered. Um, And rereading this and re-realizing this, and then also... Knowing how the next three or four days is going to go in American politics as we talk about them, knowing that we're, we're going to get a very small amount. We'll get some, but we'll just get a small amount of that. Um, it's just frustrating. Political journalism should be better. It should be how are you planning to use this power here that we have? It mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily means that everyone has to come to some kind of crazy libertarian conclusion, but it means that you should question what's your philosophy for like figuring out when to go to war, when to do this, when to do that with government. And it just wasn't happening with him at the time.
1: And, and I got, think it's not happening now uh, too. And primarily because everyone is so easily distracted by the small shiny objects, which are everything that kind of, you know, Trump tweets about or says this and, you know, and he's impolite or, you know, doesn't raise the, raises the flag, takes it half mass, puts it back up, et cetera. Very few conversations I hear. And again, this could be my, failing and not and this could these these could be out there Um, I should uh, seek them out, but not a lot about what the president, the current president is doing with his power um, and how he views power in a Mm -hmm. sort of broader sense. They're like, well, you know, we don't have to think he doesn't have an ideology, which is kind of true and not true the other. They believe there is is a a, there is an ideology
0: for them. It's white supremacy. It's the notion that the president is deeply racist. And that is what is animating all of his policy. In fact, I think it was Noah Smith was talking about um, immigration. And the fact that immigration and particularly this notion of um, racial exclusivism is effectively the animating force of the Republican Party right now, or of the right anyways. Um, And there is a lot of that reductivism going on. that reductivism is happening in place of any conversation about sort of national policy and about executive power. The sensibility is clearly, once we get rid of Donald Trump, We'll be fine. We just have to find the right person, put them in power. and But is there, but is there okay.
1: some truth to that, Camille, in the sense that, you know, I think that the policy uh, policies and whatever they are, depending on what we're talking about, are greater than that and are animated by different, you know, different forces, depending on what, what it is. Mm-hmm. But I think that if you look at somebody like Stephen Miller, um, you know, who has been writing uh, America's immigration policy for the past uh, uh, year and a half, I think that there is this idea, and I do believe that the basis of this idea is not, you know, depressing wages only. And That might be a part of it. He might be concerned about this stuff. But, you know, when you say, like, we want immigrants from Norway, mm-hmm. we don't want immigrants from these places. It's not because these places are low skilled, necessarily. It's mm-hmm. sort of that in a in two- um, but it's it's also because th- these are people that don't like the changing makeup of America, and I think that's pretty straightforward. I think it's pretty straightforward that like people don't are their knees kind of collectively knock in the certain precincts of the Republican Party sure. when they find out or figure out or somebody says that fifty percent of the California population well, will be will be you know my um, my majority minority by X date. People I, are scared of that. I don't discount the fact that someone is
0: concerned about that. That there are some people I who, think are, the man who, who's who are more interested in that. In immigration policy. Is Ma- concerned maybe, about that. maybe so. He yeah. might be one of them. Yeah. But, but frankly, he doesn't get to vote for himself. He didn't get appointed by oh, himself. Sure, there sure, are people sure. who support these policies. Mm-hmm. And to the extent we're going to talk about this publicly, and sure. what animates the right, not what sort of is lurking in the dark heart of Stephen Miller. Yeah. Then, in that broader conversation, the question becomes am I characterizing this in a way that will be recognizable to the people who endorse these policies? And when it comes to immigration restrictionists, they do talk about culture, that there is an American culture and that there are certain people who might not integrate into it well. And so far as I can tell, at least as frequently, if not more frequently, make references to low skilled immigration and the need to get rid of chain migration and to have merit-based immigration policy. To the extent I'm willing to take them at their word and acknowledge the fact that if you said they were racist, they would say, I'm not. That's ridiculous. It's a bit like saying that people who are um, pro-life are anti-choice. Like it's the only way you're willing to describe them. And that is uh, it's it's fan service. It's it's a provocation, but it's not an an act description of what is actually motivating these people and creating the disagreement. And what ultimately ends up happening is rather than the belief that these are people who can be dealt with rather than an appreciation for the fact that American perspectives on immigration in both parties have shifted. And the difference in perspective isn't that we were racist when Bill Clinton was president. And now we're a lot less racist because now we're for more uh, liberal immigration policy. I don't.
1: I don't think that that's a, a sensible way to talk about our politics. Yeah, it's worth considering, though, isn't it? Because I mean, I, I think there's a Bradley effect in a way. And some of this, when people talk about immigration, like oh, I worry about wages and blah blah blah. Despite the fact that the evidence is rather mixed on this, I mean, it's not as if we have an enormous amount of evidence that unskilled immigration is you know you know this is a Bernie Sanders point and a Donald Trump point. That's exactly that right. That it's depressing wages, etc. But w- what's different about the United States? Very, very different. And I'm about to, as I was saying about to embark on a little trip to Europe, is Europeans do not have, they have different senses of themselves as countries. Sure. So the, I got the guys named uh, Tio Sarazen or something. The guy was a social Democrat in uh, Germany in a very high position, wrote a book about immigration, became a sort of pariah. Um, but he, I, I saw him the other day in a German newspaper saying that, you know, in X number of years, Germany will no longer be Germany. Mm-hmm. And it's like people get a little exercised about that. But people think of Germany in a particular way. I mean, whereas you don't say, you don't have the rote line that Germany's made up of all these different cultures that come here and your grandparents and this, and like, no, we're German and this is changing. The Swedes do the same thing. The Norwegians, are like, do we want to be not Swedes anymore? And that is kind of... The big theme of the election that's going to is going to be visited upon Sweden and Sunday. Mm-hmm. We have a different way. We have a different frame, and I think well, that we you,
2: did have a different. We,
1: frame. we did have a different frame. I think it's. I think it's shifted in some ways. But it's shifted it, multiple times because yeah, we've had multiple frames. Yes, I, but I think that people are slightly more comfortable talking about culture and things. Sure, it used to be smuggled in through like. Um, these incredibly petty complaints that I have to press to, uh, <laughs> to hear it in English uh, when I call Walgreens or something, sure. you know, the, 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 the most incredible offense to human dignity is having to listen to that for two seconds. But, you know, I, I, that's how people talked about it before. There's a lot of kind of coded way of talking about it because in public, you don't want to just say like, you know what? I, I don't want uh, this country to be Mexican. I want Mexico to be Mexico and the U S to be like it was when I grew up. And I've heard people say that to me, kind of sotto voce when, you know, on the campaign trail sure. in places that say, well, you know, the places that that have immigrants, love immigrants, like New York, it's like, Guys, do you not realize that in the uh, northern Iowa, all those hog processing plants are full of Mexican, Ecuadorian, Honduran people, like full towns that are that are that are just like kind of Spanish speaking. In the so they they do interact with this stuff and they see it in a form of like, this is my culture and it's changing. Well, I mean, sure. a, a
3: Mexican in Iowa working at a dairy farm yeah. caused some problems that kind of reignited the illegal immigration outrage this past week.
1: Oh, th- this is the murder that we're yeah. talking about. Yeah. Yeah, custom problems is one kind of you. I, <laughs> I just thought it was interesting. Yeah. I wasn't sure what he was yeah. referring to. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought it was interesting that you used he Iowa as an example. He double parked as, his car. Iowa
3: <laughs> as an Jeez. example because, yeah. I mean, the guy had been, you know, the 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 whole. I mean, people may have missed this story. I doubt it, but uh, no, no, Mali, no one missed that Molly Tibbetts, 20 year old college student, was a jogger, jogging, and this uh, guy who appears to be an illegal immigrant from Mexico who had been working illegally um, at a dairy farm in um, in Iowa apparently stalked her and killed her when she told him to buzz off uh, or she was going to call the police and that this tragedy, this absolutely horrendous, heinous crime has reignited the argument, um, the arguments that zero tolerance uh, policies against illegal immigrants are the only way to go because any one of our daughters or sisters could be next, could be the next victim. She's, I mean, Zero just, tolerance usually works.
2: So yeah. that, that should be, yeah, that uh, should be fine. great history. I, it, I, yeah. I mean, Camille, I think, I think my, uh, my, uh, what is it? The Maslow hierarchy of needs, which I've never understood what any of that means. Um, Obviously. Uh, my, uh, my hierarchy is this. Um, it's more important to me to point out uh, how and why the person who holds power, who's Stephen Miller in this case, and the president who uh, oversees him, are affecting policy than it is to protect the delicate sensibilities of people who think something that's wrong. And the the thing that they think that is wrong is that, uh, is that these people are not assimilating. You misunderstand my perspective. I'm I'm not, I'm not, not, I'm not necessarily characterizing your perspective. I'm saying what I, what I preference here, the thing that matters to me um, is not that we might be calling a Trump voter racist. What matters to me is that People who vote for those policies in the best possible description of their motivation for it, they're wrong. They're wrong. They're okay. wrong about America not assimilating people. Not only that, they're wrong. And Trump is wrong. And the Trump administration is wrong. And the things that they emphasize over and over and over again the, uh, the, the criminality of of illegal or legal uh, immigrants, preferencing Norway, and then like calling uh, Nigeria a shithole country. And they're sending us their worst people. Nigeria sends us the best people Mm. of basically any concentrated immigrants. I I think Nigerians I
1: think Camille and I had this conversation not too long ago. I think Nigerians in America make $20,000 uh, Twenty odd thousand dollars more on average than, than anybody in this room. Yeah, then. yeah. yeah. I, think, uh, I think it might yeah.
0: be the yeah. most successful in, on a number of different metrics. Sub, um, and just before Matt group. gets to his point, I just say yeah. this: is
1: that that you do often want people from quote unquote shithole countries, sure, because they're people with enormous amounts of talent and have no place to sort of expend that talent in their countries, and it's great to have them come yeah. here. Low skilled immigration actually, is, yeah. is awesome. Yeah, and, it's and like, which is more, I think uh,
2: more of a uh, of a uh, an. That you need to, to wage and win and convince people what rather than it's just simply untrue. But it, what is untrue and uh, is the idea that X group that's coming here are uniquely unassimilatable. That's never been true. It's always been used against disfavored others who are coming in, and it's always been wrong. I'm there isn't a time, there isn't a cohort, there isn't anything yet. in which that hasn't been wrong. So, and so, and so, by giving them the benefit of the doubt, they're not being racist. They're just saying that we're having a t- trouble assimilating people, and we should be worried that you know these communists from Vietnam are going to come in, or these or these you know people from uh, the, from I- revolutionary Iran are going to have different values. and All this kind of stuff. Um, we should treat them at their best. I will treat them at their best. And what I'll say is that. They are fucking wrong, and they're wrong every time. They've been wrong throughout history. Uh-huh. There has been an element of of kind of uh, xenophobia associated with that. Doesn't explain everything, but it's it's in that mix. Has been historically, but more importantly, just than any of that, they're wrong. And and what I worry is that not only is the policy going to be bad and inhumane, but they are precisely going to turn us more into like Europe, not just the politics of it. But I mean, there's a reason why during the campaign trail over and over and over again, Trump and then some of his competitors to their great discredit kept saying, we can't become like Angela Merkel's Germany. Um, and I agree that, and we've talked about it here during that time, you know, I, I agree that she screwed up and like, you have to build more of a democratic consensus before just saying like, Oh, well, let's just have all mm-hmm. these people come in, especially in countries that you don't control. Um, but their approach um, uh is going to, I think, uh, or threatens to, if if it keeps going on, to make us less able to assimilate people. Their very sense, their fear of Europe is going to make us turn more like Europe, and that's a problem.
0: And if I can respond quickly, I want to be very clear here. The reason why I raise these points, the reason why I take a lot of these very unpopular positions where I am constantly pushing back against fairly simplistic and very popular and common narratives about the motivations of people, um, versus an actual dissection of what the policy disagreement is and, and an articulation of an argument that might actually persuade people is because I think it matters whether or not you're in the game, not merely saying that people are wrong, but demonstrating how they're wrong. And I'm not accusing you, Matt Welch, of just simply saying that people are wrong. I am saying that there are plenty of people, Noah Smith among them, who simply say, These people are animated by racism. They're monsters. We're virtuous. Case closed. And I think that there is a potential shortcoming to not showing up for the match, for never articulating your argument, and for not making an attempt to try to persuade people to your potentially completely fucking accurate point of view. If you don't make the case, the chance of winning those people over is, is perhaps. Uh, a, a little lower and it's not dissimilar from the perspective. I also articulated before, um, which uh, I, I attributed something to Ronald Reagan before, where I said there is there was a time when conservatives in this country looked at people in South America, and Mexico and thought to themselves, these are potential Republican voters. Oh, I remember I'm well. going to try to persuade them to vote for me, to support my ideas. My challenge to people on the left, to people who are opposed, to Trumpists, is to think of people who support Donald Trump as human beings who have some sort of dignity and honor and respect, and to try to make arguments that might actually persuade them, especially since, especially when it comes to the, the, the more common arguments that are both supported by certain people who support Bernie Sanders and certain people who support Donald Trump, that the real threat of immigration is that they're going to hollow out our economy. That is an argument, and it's something that we should deal with. I'll go a step further and I'll say something else that it doesn't have to get responded to because I'm not even prepared to or interested in trying to adjudicate it here now. I even think that it's appropriate to deal with the cultural implications of having lots of people come from different places, especially in circumstances where there are ethnic enclaves that end up getting set up in your country, where people are isolated from one another, and now you find yourself dealing with Perhaps some traditions like female genital mutilation, which might be something that a vast majority of your population, except for a particular large subgroup, are very uncomfortable with. And this creates certain tensions. And there are sort of political conversations that happen at a minimum. It's essential for there to be sufficient sort of nuance and respect uh, for one another to be able to have a conversation about this stuff without it becoming just this demonization game, which unfortunately is what's happened here. When, when it's not only here, it's also in Canada where the prime minister is getting shouted at because someone says, I don't like that you're giving hundreds of millions of dollars to illegal immigrants. And his response to them is, there's no place for your racism in Canada. What she said wasn't racist. She might be wrong. Maybe the policy is completely virtuous and good. Then defend your policy but don't simply dismiss
1: people as racist monsters. Uh, yeah, I think that uh, one thing, um, a couple of points, the first thing on the culture um, thing, that there's a recent story in, uh, in the Netherlands that uh, asylum seekers are being asked straight up, um, do you agree, well, would you allow your kid to go into a sort of... Uh, swimming pool that has, you know, boys and girls in it. Stuff like that. Simple, simple stuff. And if they say no, they deny their uh, application. And that's this came out like two days ago. It was, just, it was a story in the Volkskrant, the Dutch hmm. newspaper. Um, so, yeah, the Europeans do that quite in a quite heavy-handed way. There was a recent story in the New York Times about how the Danish are are, are doing things in a, in a very kind of radical way. Uh, so, yeah, I but to, to, Matt, go to go back to Matt's point, which I think is is – Right. And the one kind of wrinkle, I'm going to throw this out there, is that, uh, yeah, there is no examples in recent American history of integration uh, not happening. And just this, this, it, it, it always does. Second generations, I mean, you just go to Miami. And look at people whose parents came, even if it was 1959 at the beginning of the revolution or if it was the Merrill Boatlift or these second generation people tend to assimilate. The one danger, I would say, is that there's been a shift in in a political culture that I find slightly dangerous in this when, when it comes to assimilation. And it is the instinct of certain political groups to tell those who have recently uh, emigrated to a country that their lack of immediate success, because remember this stuff takes a couple generations mm. or the second gen- generation is the fault of forces greater than you. So it is, you know, whatever it might be sort of a superstructure of capitalism, of uh, Islamophobia, whatever it might be, Th- those things, you know, Islam, that stuff can exist. But I mean, you noticed so much, and I see this in European debates of the second generation um, kids Saying that, you know, well, you know, I, I, everything's wrong because the Swedes are racist and because the Swiss, Swiss are racist. And that has a kind of counter effect on assimilation, right? Because we're otherizing people and they're loving it, right? And Because it's not otherizing people in a way that totally excludes them. It's otherizing them in a way that's supposed to empower them, right? And I think that that is not a good thing. And I've seen a lot of it. And again, it's not to say that if that stuff is an issue, and there are places, especially in Europe, where it very much is an issue, but it seems to be a kind of rote reflexive response. And I think that that's Changed things quite a bit.
2: I would be uh, I would be surprised, but also be uh, in, intrigued by like how one would measure that in the United States. Um, and my my instinct is that um, we might hear a lot of that because we work in media and we hang out in places where there's universities and that kind of discourse is yeah. around us. Mm-hmm. But like you go to Santa Ana, California, not that there's not uh, universities there, but it's you're in the middle of of a uh, immigration hub, and like the guy selling you know, oranges on the, on the freeway on-ramp is not really overly uh, uh, impacted by people saying, you know what, you're, you're a victim of racism. No, I think,
1: I think and I'm, again, two things. First, I'm talking kind of specifically about the European experience, yeah, because yeah, they're, which they're a, very, very different I in that sense. And, you know, it's also a religious and ideological thing in Europe, but it's usually the second generation. It's that everyone was b- amazed, and they're so shocked when all of these people turn up in Raqqa, you know, with, uh, you know, knives in their hands, ready to slit people's throats. And they're like, oh, they're uh, from England. And said, so, oh, you know, they're actually not, they're, 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 you know, Pakistani. It's like, no, no, they're from England. They were born in Luton, you know, and that's like, there's a great, there's a great movie about those three lions. They haven't seen that very funny, funny movie about these bumbling jihadists from Luton. And this is the same thing in Sweden and Sweden and Belgium are exporting, we're exporting more people uh, like per capita, then Belgium, I think was number one, Sweden was up there, three, three hundred people, four hundred people, whatever it might be um that's a lot in a country of nine million and they're joining a suicidal death cult and all of them speak swedish grew up in sweden not all of them most of them i mean and this is the case across europe so there is this sense of like you know whether it's a religious sense and it doesn't have to be sort of the pc lefties you know it's a religious sense you go to the mosque and people are saying that this is an alien culture this is a culture that we we do not countenance this that and the other and there's always stories in european media of people being taped during Friday prayers at mosque, denouncing the country that they're in and saying we have to separate ourselves from it and their foreign policy. You know, these are people that have have taken refuge in, you know, like Lebanese people in uh, Denmark or something. They say, you know, Denmark was involved in the Iraq war. They're part of the sort of crusader. And then these people end up in a small contingent of Danish Um, ISIS fighters, right? Not all of them, of course. It's just that there is that, and it comes from a number of different places. So I don't want to just say it's like, you know, boring... Kind of PC whinging people. Right, it's, it's also it's, religious leaders. Two sided. It's two sided, and sure. I don't know if that's left wing or right wing. It's think, all over
2: the place. I don't think that it, that there's a huge incidence of that here with the TS not in the U.S. No. Not in the U.S. No. I mean, there are uh, enclaves. We don't. I mean, Michael can walk to one. Um, I think that's right. Um, oh yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know. I mean, the, and and uh, my God, these Orthodox Jews have their own courts. I, they have their own systems. I, 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 and they're, and they're I, actually, don't, I don't and have to actually
0: walk, some so, some social issues I, al- associated with something. Yeah,
2: I don't have to walk to it. I live in it. Yeah,
0: in
1: the middle of it and it's you know the, uh, separate the p- am- ambulance service and, <laughs> separate and, and I, and it's the I,
2: poorest the absolute poorest cohort of jews in the country lives almost within walking distance of the richest cohort of jews in the country
1: yeah the and all and 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 the only uh well not the only but kind of in this area of brooklyn it is the reddest bit too it was a big uh, trump uh, voting block. Huh. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. There's like huh. a little dot of, Trump yeah. little uh, dot, dot of red there. Yeah. And and, you on. Know. Same thing in, in Rara, Rara, and Right, Yeah. yeah. Same
0: thing. Yeah. Can I, can I, uh, this, I wasn't expecting this and I, I really don't want to go too far down this, this, this avenue, but when I've read um, stories about Williamsburg and um, the Hasidic Jewish community there, and I've even seen sort of reporting on this, I'll see stories about children who are brought up there and about the schooling that they go through, which I suspect is not all privately funded, as you mentioned, very low income, a tremendous amount of government transfers that are sent Mm -hmm. into that community, which almost certainly funds some of their schools. Um, I see stories about kids who are reading about evolution in their classrooms in books that have important key passages blacked out with marker. Um, It's the sort of thing that makes one, even a libertarian individualist like me, like somewhat A former uncomfortable and individuals yeah. like you. Uh, no, there's it, no former about it. 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 I'm it's saying true. it makes me uncomfortable and yeah. it's and it's complicated yeah. and with so many of these issues again for me it's the retreat to the simple argument to the castigation to the otherizing not that you do it Matt but it happens commonly and it it so far as i can tell is the most fundamental aspect of the criticisms of Donald Trump beyond him just being sort of personally gross and grotesque. It's he's awful. He has monstrous motivations. There's something dark going on there. It's not a particularly substantive critique. And I think that that misses the point. I think we do have to engage um, on the ideas and we do have to we do have to have a bit more respect for people who cast votes in either directions. But I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to blame I'll let
2: you finish it off at some, at some point, tell me to uh, shut up. I, I won't tell you to shut up. Uh, I, it's just that I do have respect for people, but they're not going to be protected from their own wrongness I'm and, not, and my, and, that my and my own sense of irritation at hearing the same goddamn arguments over and over and over again, impervious to the counter arguments, which are, are, are lengthy and rich and varied. Um, and, and that, and, you know, there, there are things that are more cut and dry. There are things that are more, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, arguable, like the impact on, on, um, native born uh, uh, lower income wages and that kind of stuff. Um, But a lot of the basic arguments, the basic arguments put forth not just by people who vote for Trump, but by the Trump administration that are leading to actual policies of doing things like intentionally separating uh, small kids from their parents at the border as a deterrent uh, effect of taking in the lowest number of refugees in modern uh, American history of doing things like this. Uh-huh. I mean, it's it, these are tangible things that are affecting uh, human lives, and totally I'm true. just more interested in. Both the, those things that are done um, and also the wrong arguments that are con- continually used for them and the wrong facts put forth by what is supposed to be an impartial government. I'm with and, you. and I will I will not have a lot of patience and I will not always be um, uh, gentle in in my uh, uh, my I'm with uh, you. Criticism, particularly because those people have power. I'm with it's you. not just the fucking Minutemen rally and, in 2000. And, um, and it
0: matters when it's an extension of the previous administration's policies. If as I can well.
1: end on a recommendation, um, uh, we're talking about uh, the Orthodox Jews. Very good uh, doc on uh, Netflix called One of Us. Mm. It's yeah. great. It's very, very good. It's about you know people who are leaving the Orthodox community. And um, if you think that there's a certain religion, that has a monopoly on um, <laughs> stupidity. I'm not talking about any religion in particular. Uh-huh. Um, uh, uh, you will be disabused of that if you watch this film.
0: It's very good. So speaking of religions with monopoly on stupidity, uh, Louis C.K., did a a Standard routine. I don't really get. I saw all that's funny. Yeah, oh, yeah, maybe yeah, there's something yeah. there.
3: Maybe whatever. There, there was a, there was another religious thing happening this week. Yeah, but he made what, his
0: uh, yeah. as, as I mentioned earlier, he made his triumphant return to the stage. Um, and by triumphant, I mean incredibly controversial. Many people are very unhappy about this. Um, mm-hmm. And from some perspectives, this is a uh, total typical white male behavior. The expectation that you can recover when you're ready to, that justice hasn't in fact been served and uh, he needs to be in timeout longer. Still, he went on stage and he told a bunch of jokes. Um, I don't I don't know what to say about this. I don't know anything about the routine that he did on stage. Never. It didn't address the
1: controversy. I would I would suspect not. No. I thought he he, he, he would. I, um, I was hoping, you know, that's what, you know, and he's a kind of denizen of the seller, of the comedy seller. And, and people, my favorite bit of this, is that people drop in, right? This is the big thing. Like when I was shooting there uh, for a story um, and I was shooting with Judy Gold and uh, before Judy Gold went on, uh, somebody on the bill, I can't remember the name on the bill, but it was Amy Schumer who did, a you know, they, people go there and they work out their material and they kind of warm up. And that's the great thing about going to the Comedy Cellar. You know, somebody I know went there when, um, uh, God, what was the night? It was Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle both performed 15-minute sets. And like you pay like a $10 cover charge and you're down in the basement of the Comedy Cellar and you get to see these insane pros to do stadiums. And the funniest thing about this Louis C.K. story is that the guy who owns the Comedy Cellar said. Well, we did get one complaint um, Of somebody who said I I I should have known That I was going to be in a room With Louis C.K. And because it was a drop-in As they do at the Comedy Cellar And they, you know, use a fake name uh, that was unfair because I, I should be, I'd be warned beforehand why? that I'm going to be in a room with Louis CK and I want to be able to make that decision on my own. It turns out that person was a man too, by the way. That's the surprising bit. I thought, huh. I thought it was a woman. Um, I, I that was a the, very low probability that Louis
0: CK is going to ask if he can in front of him. <laughs> I he
1: mean, always asks. I'll tell you what he though, always asks. that would be a pretty great return if he just came out <laughs> and just started jerking off. Equal opportunity. That's uh, no, it's like, it's a, it, the thing is, is this is why we have courts, Right is that we, we the court will will hand down a sentence of exactly how long you're punished, right? <laughs> <laughs> and like, this is not... And everyone's nah. just like, it's too soon. Like, uh, uh, so according yeah, how to long, who? How long is he know? supposed to sit in timeout? Yeah, like, what is he... Like, w- people can buy... I know this is so stupid, and it seems like you know, a little too even basic for the show, but people (laughs) can buy his tickets to see his shows. People can watch his television show or they don't. Right. And the one guy was like, well, I didn't know he was performing. It's like, well, I'm sorry for the trauma you had (laughs) inflicted (laughs) by hearing like fucking airplane jokes for 15 minutes, but you know, come on. Like, I don't like, what is the guy, how long is it? that's a question for you.
2: How long? I was, uh, uh, this doesn't answer it, but it just, says that uh, shows that this is still with us. I was looking on the Twitter's, uh, uh, I think on the subway ride over here, and uh, Ralph Nader um, was uh, not talking about masturbation or Louis C.K. Sadly for all of us, but he was uh, uh, angrily um, wondering why we're thinking about uh, uh, renaming the Russell Senate Building to the John McCain Building when we could name it, uh, rename it for the Lion of the Senate, Ted Kennedy. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah. and uh, some somebody who's uh, known to us like a Mark Hemingway type figure uh, said something like, hey, I, there's this movie you should, you should watch. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: but it's the, like, ma- the Mary Jo Kopechny building. Uh, it's, I mean,
2: they're, yeah. they're they're we rehabilitate almost every almost nobody is driven away forever, especially if they have any potency left. And I'm sorry to use that word. I'll come up with one. Uh, so they have some kind of uh, power left in uh, in their lives. We just kind of like weirdly Deal with it I if mean,
1: tech, But if Ted Kennedy Was still alive He'd be being Raked over the coals Come on I mean it happened To Bill Clinton I mean you have people Like Bill Matt Clinton, Bill Clinton is like, still Going to get paid $350,000 For of course, his next yeah. speech Of course No that's true But you know It is I mean now You do have to have The kind of you know, hand-waving and saying, hey, I'm Matt Iglesias. Um, now I, I'm kind of on the side of the Arkansas project. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, I'm so a Richard Mellon scape fanatic now. Even the I mean, guy who
3: directed that movie, Chappaquiddick, which wasn't easy on Ted Kennedy, said in an interview bizarrely that he would not have made this movie if Ted, Ken- Ted Kennedy was still alive. Why? Yeah, yeah. He, I, he didn't follow up on that. I, it, I, it kind of it, it jumped yeah. out of me when I wrote about Probably wouldn't have the.
2: Funding. Probably, um, yeah, yeah. Probably wouldn't have gotten greenlit. <laughs> but kind of straight up. You know,
3: so, you know, we're talking about how long does someone have to be in time out. You know, there's there are compounding offenses to Louis C.K. Uh, performing for 15 minutes at the Comedy Cellar. And Michael Ian Black mm-hmm. tweeted, we'll take heat for this, but people have to be allowed to serve their time and move on with their lives. I don't Shocking know if it's been tank. long enough or his career will recover or if people will have him back, but I'm happy to see him try. And he has since... Raked himself over the coals for this because it w- he was trending about ten minutes. I mean, afterwards. that is such a, yeah. but that's such
0: a limp defense of uh, Louis C.K. going again, and doing which Is that yeah. is that inappropriate? Uh, well, I can't it, say it, limp defense. It, 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 it. There's
3: just a lot of dick references. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the man yeah. is in
0: timeout because yeah. he was limp, limp, but it is, <laughs> but it is a limp defense. Yeah. And
3: I, well, but the, the people are saying like, oh, he, people should be allowed to serve their time, and like you said, yeah. we don't know what the
1: We're time, time is. is. I don't know the the other thing though that is, but we should also people should be sorry, quickly. People should be able to serve their time, blah, blah. blah. But people should also be able to like, you know, question what that amount of time is without being, without trending on Twitter and being called all every name in the book. Which is kind of what I was about to do by saying, I still
0: have a very difficult time with the fact that Louis C.K. and some of the other worst monsters, the actual certifiable monsters of the Me Too moment. Louis C.K. isn't the same kind of monster as someone who actually forces themselves on someone to have sex. And when I think about the account of Louis C.K. having these awkward interactions with women where he is asking if he can masturbate in front of them, in as much as there might be some sort of power dynamic, that's not a qualification and me excusing anything, it's it's me saying also. Um, in as much as that might be a thing, there's also something really sad about a person that is so insecure and so Unself aware that that is the position that they put themselves in, especially when you're super rich and famous, and you could take your money and go buy like a half million dollar. Sports car, hang out with like the Migos and Drake at a strip club, throw a bunch of money in said strip club, it, it, and do exactly what Future advises. Yeah.
1: Go back fetish. home compulsion. with a bunch of bad bitches and yeah. have sex with them. Yeah, but it's but it's a compulsion and it's a fetish. I mean, he enjoys. Is it? Yes, of course. Because that's weird. Of course, it's not. It's yeah, but that fetishes are right. God. That's well, that's why they're fetishes. That is the weirdest but, thing. But look, I mean, people have strange fetishes, and and it doesn't make it right, and he shouldn't do that kind of thing. But it is like, I mean, keep in mind that the comparison. I I guess, isn't often made. People are thrown in the same basket. But, I mean, my friend Lawrence Yvonne had the experience of Harvey Weinstein masturbating in front of her without asking. <laughs> and there is, like, you know, I, I, I don't know if cuz i don't know the i mean to be totally honest i don't i don't want to get in trouble cuz i don't know the story back to front yeah. i remember reading about it in the, in some of the details but i don't know if he was ever accused of asking people saying no and him continuing and i do think that there is a there is a I, I certainly difference didn't between read those about things. That. I mean, there's a difference between like cornering somebody as your Harvey Weinstein and being some like comic. And I think a lot of this stuff was before he had the Louis show, I think before even Lucky Louis. So the power dynamic is contingent upon what time in his career it is, too. He just was like a schlubby comic at some point. there there
3: There were no accusations that I saw that he did it after being told no, but there was a lot of pressure from like his reps put on people to keep quiet.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. You know, and yeah, that, sure. And that, uh, that is also a compounding. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Totally and that, you know, there's some there's a lot of bad business in there. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I mean, I he's getting famous mm-hmm. and getting more famous and then this came out on Gawker mm-hmm. in a blind item, right? It was a it was yep. first it was a blind item. It was like what ginger comedian from Boston <laughs> who's half Mexican uh masterpiece <laughs> in front of people Like I mean it was pretty obvious And then one of the
3: comedians Also gave a talk to Did a podcast Where she basically Described him to a T Without yeah. naming him Saying like He was a comedian Now he's like a French filmmaker Everybody yeah. knew who it was Yeah And um, then people What was even happening after that uh, Was uh, Journalists were asking Questions on the red carpet Of some of his friends Yeah And then they were getting blackballed From asking questions Of anybody anymore Well the
1: funny thing yeah. is That I saw the the yeah. Destroyed film uh, um, I love you, Daddy. Yeah, I saw "I Love You, Daddy" in a press screening, and um, it's if you watch the film, I mean, it'll ultimately come out. It's like a confession. Yeah, to, sure I mean, it's like this is somebody who's like, yeah, 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 I, I did this, and it's it's gonna sneak up on me. But this is that's prior prior to the Me Too thing coming really it, it, starting. It, really starting. It, well,
3: yeah, it Shot it, 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 it premiered. It premiered at Toronto Film Festival like months, like two months before Me Too came yeah, out, and yeah. it was gonna be. There was a release date from the Orchard. Yeah. And it had to be pulled because of uh, when Louis was was outed in the Times. Yeah. So who, uh, who
2: doesn't come back? Funded. Harvey Weinstein doesn't
3: come back. Well, yeah. Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey's not coming back. But, you know, the, they tried. The, the Aziz Ansari was thrown into this mix, too. Like there, there was a there was a headline like a day or two ago. And What so was I, that story well, about? Said, Wasn't well, it well, like weird quick, said, oral sex or They something? said Louis. C. Well, because hmm. net, Netflix said Aziz can come back and do his show Master of None whenever he wants to. And so this was whenever throw- he wants. Huh? Whenever it, when it was thrown into a headline. Oh, look at this! Louis C.K. and Aziz Ansari
2: coming back. Aziz Ansari had a bad date. Yeah, like that's the worst thing that you could say about. Where him. one of yeah. the complaints was that uh, she, he poured red wine and she wanted white. Yeah, wow. And, and, uh, and, uh,
1: that was the know. one too, and it's that was monstrous. actually the one that made uh, Barry Weiss, our friend Barry Weiss, a yeah. thing. A uh, calm defending uh, Aziz, but that was the one that everybody I knew, regardless of political persuasion, regardless of background, just said that's that's gone that's gone too far. And, you know, after the fact, look, it's the thing that happens with stories. I mean, if there's a story about a controversy in a company, for instance, and the details turn out to be not as compelling as people thought they were going to be, the only thing that people remember is there was a story about this company getting in trouble. Nobody remembers that the details were kind of, you know, well, not not really that bad. Aziz Ansari is now forever enshrined as a a, a Me Too... As a part of uh, that ...perpetrator of some of some sort, because I don't think people really remember what happened with him. I don't, I certainly, don't. I remember reading the piece and kind of scratching my head. And I remember her saying that she went to his apartment and things like that. But I remember just not, not only being underwhelmed, but being slightly outraged by that this thing was being treated with seriousness by anybody. The perversity
0: of the the kind of catch all controversy, like, like that, the, the fact that every small infraction, every imagined infraction gets upgraded Uh, in some fashion, perhaps not to the worst possible offense, but something along the lines of the worst possible offense. It feels like it is part and parcel of this more academic sentiment that there is a kind of continuum of guilt, that all men are a, a part of the continuum of disadvantaging women. And simply by existing and being a man, you are, in fact, a participant in the the patriarchy, and in much the same way, I mean that is effectively I've described white supremacy to a T. Privilege, the notion of white supremacy, um, and the fact that we live in a white supremacist world. Uh, of course, all of that sentimentality ignores the fact that whatever it is that gave rise to our current c- c- circumstance, whatever the horrible deprivations and past injustices that have given rise, that gave rise to all of the bad outcomes and the maldistribution of wealth or power or whatever else. It also gave rise to the reform efforts that have created a more just and amiable world. I don't know. The whole thing makes me uncomfortable and a little queasy. Like when, when you make an observation, like it's different when you force yourself on someone And it's different when you're masturbating in front of someone who has asked you not to do it. It feels like a pretty banal observation to make, but it's become something that is increasingly dangerous. And it's become a a circumstance where people view you as unable to be an ally in the cause of getting rid of bad actors if you are also concerned about the excesses that people are indulging in to try and confront these
1: horrible, yeah. genuinely bad things? I, I don't think it's going away. I mean, there, there's a very common argument. Everybody here has heard it. And I think probably 90% of people's kind of predictive powers and Rasputin like frontal lobes saying, where is this going to be in 10 years? And everybody that I know says, you know, it'll flame out. It's gotten to a point where it's like so extreme or so over the top. And, you know, everybody's kind of talking about it quietly and and it'll go away. This has happened in the past. It'll go away. I don't believe that anymore. Mm. I do not believe that it's going away. And I get an example of that recently is that I sent you a story, Camille, the other day Mm. and you said to me on the way in and and we can talk about what that story was. You said, did anyone cover this? It's kind of crazy. No, not that I'm aware of. This would have been 10 years ago something that, holy shit, that is you know, it would would have been a John Leo column probably. Instead (laughs) instead it's the
0: third time it's happened in
1: maybe as many months. And the story was the Human Rights Campaign, which is um, a group in in based in washington dc right by the by the um old uh, national geographic building and it is a gay rights group and they fund a lot of causes and gay rights causes and they they lobby for legislation etc andrew sullivan hates them i remember, i always remember him complaining about the human rights campaign but he, you see the bumper stickers everywhere it's a, big, it's a big well-funded organization and they had a woman there and i don't remember her position but she was talking about the horrors of some Joke or something that somebody said that was racially motivated, and in the context used the forbidden word uh, and she was fired and she and, and, and somebody said, well, and she used it twice well she told a, she told a further story of saying this is the uh, behavior that is unacceptable. these are the things that we should we should rid society of. And the response was was uh, to fire her for using the word, context be damned. It didn't matter, and it wasn't even something that I remember. Like you know, the wow. guy from Mozilla that made some gay marriage kind of comment, and everyone was like, oh, "I was he, like a big debate." He was actually
0: supporting like the gay marriage legislation, or something. Or the like anti-gay that. marriage yeah, legislation. Yeah. Yeah, Prop and, right? And, and
1: you know, that was a big thing. And like, yeah, I guess it's on the other side of the issue. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's different. But it just seemed like these things that cost people their livelihoods and their jobs would be like adjudicated in public and a. Different way or in any way at all in the past. And I think that this stuff has come so fast and thick, and it's, but it's kind of, the cement is kind of dried on it now and it's settled. And we just take it as, as this is the way, like every email that you get in a work situation. I mean, I have friends that send me internal work emails from there, like, you know, because you know, people that listen to the show and like, know that we kind of are skeptical of some of these things in every company, whether it's, you know, uh, you know, Morgan Stanley, it's not just like, you know, uh, Nike or something, you know, Mm -hmm, sort mm -hmm. of project this outward progressive kind of thing in Portland, Oregon, it's everybody. And it's just part of the fabric of the company. A diversity officer is going to be there. You're going to, it's all, it's just integrated. And I talk to younger people about this stuff being like, wow, isn't it crazy? They're like, what are you talking about? This is what, this is, a this is my first job and this is how companies are,
2: right? Uh, we probably just finished. We probably don't have enough time to, uh, to, to completely pick the scab on this but uh, this, as com- this mindset behind that uh, overlaps with something that Fisher and I are going through and that you both will eventually, if depending on how far you go into the New York public school system. Mm. Um, but uh, the uh, middle school uh, uh, in various uh, parts of the New York uh, school system, including mine and including uh, uh, Anthony's, um, ch- are changing. They're, they're in, uh, enforcing a diversity plan uh, for integration and inclusion. And so on two weeks ago or so, we went uh, to our local library, the local councilman to hear it was supposed to be like a community feedback thing. Um, It's scheduled in the middle of August because that's really when the parents were around. Um, The overall uh, uh, gist of this uh, diversity plan changes a system in which um, uh, fourth graders and going into middle school or going into fifth grade, or told, you have to show up uh, every day in class. Attendance means the most because middle school in the New York system, um, uh, it, there's kind of a school choice thing. So you, uh, you list the schools in order of which ones that you want to go, and they look, and they, and they judge to see whether you did well on, on tests, and you were, were a good uh, egg, and all this kind of stuff. Well, their diversity plan changed that system into uh, junking all what they call screens, all of them, there's, we're not going to judge kids. We're just going to make sure that every single school has at least 52 percent of people who are either uh, poor uh, living in public housing or from uh, uh, minority groups that are having troubles. Hmm. Which is Adam Carolla's uh, new uh, phrase of uh, what minorities are anymore? It's like we minorities aren't actually minorities. Is his point? They're just people who aren't doing very well anymore. So we don't call Asians <laughs> minorities. We don't call Jews minorities, even though they're minorities. Hmm. But they're not doing so hot. So we're just so whoever's not doing so hot. That's my Adam Carolla impersonation. It's not that terrible. Um, but anyways, so going into this, and this is kind of where the privilege thing comes in. We're given this uh, a, a, an hour and a half long presentation in which they basically don't want to make sure that they never hear a word from the audience who are all the parents who are like, you've just changed the rules. Like you've had workshops for two years, uh, about something about the diversity and integration and inclusion things that we safely could ignore it. But uh, if you would have called them, Hey, we're changing the entrance rules to middle school, there might've been more participation. Um, all of the slides were like this school 10 years ago and this school now, and it was 10 years ago, it was 50% white, but now it's 70% white. That's a problem. Um, it was just the default was the problem. They had slides showing um, rubber, you know, uh, fire hoses in like Alabama in the fifties. Yeah, this is in park sense. fucking the slope. They're yeah. showing. They're like, we need to, uh, you know, we have the worst, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, segregation problem here. And segregation
0: uh, is the reason why certain schools don't work. And they, they, That's they, obviously they the
2: called this a desegregation effort, and and for. Uh, and, and whenever they showed like, you know, the, the white slide, they would use words like privilege. They would say that choice has led to segregation. Um, and we don't like that. And for the course of 90 minutes, not once did someone speaking from the podium talk about, is this going to improve whatever we're doing? Is it going to improve students? And is there, are the schools going to be better? Which is kind of like the only thing that, c- that parents care about. But that one notion we need to combat the sense of privilege is was the only overarching value in the whole system, and and the and the judgment by which we're going to measure this is how integrated the schools are, not anything else like that. Um, it is the way in which that mindset, which you could just see it, you know, uh, among the twenty five year olds who work at your media companies, among people who squawk too much on college campuses. No, it's actually right there in your local public school, and it is going to be the dominant ethos much more than hey, is the is the school getting any better? It was. Shocking. A woman at some point, 45 minutes in, had to just interrupt, like, pulled a needle scratch and said, I'm sorry, I just have to ask, is this going to make the schools better? And what about, is this going to be better for students? And they like, uh, that's qui- not the standard, quickly shot it down. It wasn't the standard. I mean, yeah. you can go and and, uh, uh, and I will send you the links uh, to the actual diversity plan and, and all of this. It will shock you. None of it. I mean, not a single bit of it is based on that the only uh, the only measurement at the end of the day that they want to be able to see is are the schools have a better combination a mix of of uh hues of color and of 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 uh, uh, income gradation and also people who are struggling at some point in 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 some of these school uh, districts they're going to Give extra space to people who do badly. There's, they're in, inverting it. Uh-huh. So if you're in the lowest ten percent in math, then you get a, a better uh, slot. You're advantaged.
0: There. Yeah. Um, it's, but it, will, will anyone start tanking their scores?
2: It is this. It's it's the applied notion of like we need to. And, and the parents were murmuring amongst themselves, like, "Oh yeah, you know that's just the privilege talking and this kind of stuff." It's a it's an amazing thing to watch uh, in uh, 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 up close and personal.
0: Is it Tony Morrison who at some point? Uh, during the early days of the black lives matter moment was talking about the possibility that when white kids start to be killed at the same rate that black kids are killed, like then I'll know that we no longer have a problem. And of course she meant that in a way that was supposed to seem enlightened, that was supposed to highlight the fact that black people are ostensibly at unique risk of being killed on account of their blackness. Um, But there is, that is the grotesque flip side of the particular concern that isn't necessarily rooted in the nature of the injustice itself, but in the particular maldistribution of injustice. And there's certainly some historical component to all of that. We live with that. It's complex, and it's uncomfortable, and it's something that we ought to think about in an active way, but we shouldn't be prisoners to that. And I don't know this. This whole dispatch actually leaves me a little um, despondent. It's a really you know, I'm depressing. Go home and like just some be of a them little are, kind of, are, are
1: kind of
3: fun.
0: Fisher, can funny. you tell us it's a sober. story that makes us feel better? We're leaving now. We have to go. It's nine yeah, sixteen. We actually just got to like unplug this.
3: I mean, just uh, the the only thing I, I got is uh, is it maybe a fun. Some idiot wrote this. Please um, about uh have you seen that the that uh you know using the word you guys is the worst thing ever this week but you're not
0: it, making me feel better uh,
3: <laughs> but but no the, the dumb takes will will make you feel better because uh the suggestion from how many
0: retweets do these dumb takes have the
3: the suggestion uh in both the Atlantic and then a follow-up piece in Slate is that the 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 um uh egalitarian way to replace you guys is to use y'all.
1: Uh, I did, has, has anyone here uh, listened to the Fifth Column podcast <laughs> in which I told a story about being at Evergreen State University and going into a room full of very angry, surly young people who told me their pronouns and there were 25 of them. And I said, I'm not going to remember any of these. Could you give me slips of paper and to have your pronouns on them? And, um, and I said, um, I shouldn't to be nice to them. And I said, look at, you know, whatever you guys want to do and talk about, it, we can talk about, it, we don't have to talk about this. And they broke off and they had a little huddle and they came back and, uh, they said we would, uh, uh prefer if you, uh, use non-gendered language <laughs> and not say you guys. <sighs> and I, it's a true story. Uh, my, my, uh producer can confirm this, uh, to which I responded with a uh, joke that uh, fell to the ground like the Hindenburg. <laughs> I, I, they said you, I, you have it wasn't a very good joke, but it's just it, it, these people couldn't judge if it was a good joke or a bad joke. And they said we would prefer y'all. And I, I've seen this from certain people that, that people I know that post on Instagram. They say y'all all the time. So could you please use y'all? And I said, I do. I will. But I just want to do it under. A uh, Protest that I do not accept uh, the appropriation of Southern culture. To which the room, the air was sucked out of it so fast that people started passing out. It was fucking <laughs> insane. It was just like people were staring at me. It was she, crazy.
2: Everybody's laughing. Now. You should have, yeah. have black scented the y'all. Uh, Who says on, I didn't? On, on a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't yeah. presume things, Matt. You're, you're right. Well, They're I don't know. an ass out of you and me. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if I unfairly
0: maligned Tony Morrison earlier.
3: Maybe I did. I couldn't find it. I'm sorry. I if I'm
0: Something like that happened.
3: Maurice and Tony Morrison. We are sorry. I know, so yeah. I'm so not apologizing <laughs> yet. I said, if
0: I unfairly maligned you, but if I accurately called you out,
1: eat it. If my She's... grape has turned to a reason. <laughs> so I haven't done that in a long time. I appreciate it. it yeah, makes well, me... at least it's a the end. See, this makes me feel better. Yeah, this makes go. me feel. This yeah, is good. You know what's good? All right, all right. I think we're done. Okay, right, bye. bye. We, we know of new
2: methods of attack. The Trojan horse.